Good evening. Uh, hello. <laughs> My name's Rick. Uh, I work here at Grace Church. It's, um, it's so lovely to have you here with us this evening. I hope you've enjoyed the service up till now. I, I feel particularly uh, chuffed that you're here, uh, particularly when you consider that uh, Mariah Carey is just down the way at the Ice Arena doing her All I Want for Christmas Is You tour. And the fact that you've given up the chance for Six Octave Mariah to come and listen to me speak for 15 minutes, I take very seriously. And, you know, thank you very much. It's very kind. Um, I'll be honest, though, I'm not sure I would have gone. You're going. <laughs> Tashan's going. It's 6.30, so there are still time to get tickets. So, you know, if I get boring, please feel free to... There's two more carols, though, so hang about. No, I, personally, I'm not so much of a Mariah fan. When it comes to Christmas, I'm a Michael Bublé man. Oh, th thank you. I don't listen to him the rest of the year. I'm a kind of, you know, 1960s rock and roll kind of guy. But, you know, then when the nights come in and it gets cold and the lights go up in town, suddenly swing music just starts to make sense. And I get his uh, Christmas album out. I've got it on red vinyl. And uh, I pop it on the turntable, get it spinning, pop the needle on. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. And I'm there. You know, I'm in. Christmas has begun. The joy of the season is upon me. And we all have these traditions, if you like, that, that get us in the, the joyful mood of Christmas. Maybe for you, it's, it's not Michael Bublé. Maybe it's that time when you see that Coca-Cola advert. Yeah? Or, or the John Lewis one. Or I'm hearing from some parts of my family, the Aldi one? I don't get it. Why, why do I care about a carrot? I, I, feel, I feel like I missed a step on that one. Um, yeah, or, or what is now, I've heard, now known as Ikea Christmas Tree Saturday. Yeah, when you go, you spend £25 on the tree, and, and then you, uh, you get a £20 voucher to spend in the new year. You bring home the tree, you put it up, and you promptly lose the voucher, and so then you just have a moderately priced tree. <laughs> Maybe it's films. In my house, you know, it's illegal to wrap your Christmas presents unless Elf is playing in the background. I'm a, I've particularly grown fond of Arthur Christmas this year. If you haven't seen that, thank you. Watch that. That is great. Maybe it's food. My wife had her first mince pie of the season on Friday. That's a big deal. I hate mince pies. I've got to tell you, thanks for organizing them, uh, welcome team. But uh, I won't be eating any of them. For me, the taste of Christmas was always when my dad came home, he finished early on Christmas Eve, and he'd bring the leftovers of the, um, the works party. And growing up in Cornwall, it was always Cornish pasties. And so to me, the taste of Christmas is reheated pasty. <laughs> I do find it odd, though, that <laughs> most of my sort of Christmas memories and you know, ongoing joy habits are before Christmas itself, you know, not Christmas Day. And it's not that I have particularly bad memories of Christmas, Christmas Day itself, but you know, it's never quite the idyllic scene that the films and the ads promise it will be. There's always the afternoon slump, isn't there? <laughs> You've opened your presents. A bit disappointing. <laughs> You've eaten your turkey. Probably dry. <laughs> and you look round at your loving, irritating family, <laughs> and you... <laughs> 
hope none of them listen to this. <laughs> and you think, what now? <laughs> the joy of Christmas, then, seems to be mostly found in the anticipation of the thing, and not the thing itself. Is the joy of Christmas just a, a myth pushed on us by culture? Is it just for children, you know, who get caught up in the, the lights and the presents and the indoor foliage? I don't know how many times my two-year-old's gone, tree, every time she comes down in the morning. <laughs> well, this evening, our message here at Grace Church is that joy is real. And you can have it before Christmas, during Christmas, and after Christmas forevermore. And we heard it in our readings earlier uh, the, the angels turn up in the fields near Bethlehem and they, they say to the, the shepherds that they've just terrified, fear not, a bit late, <laughs> behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We celebrate Christmas because it marks the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. And it, the angels say that it's his birth that is joy. And undoubtedly, the birth of babies brings joy. You know, you only have to look at a parent with a newborn. You look past the sick on their shoulder, the tired glaze on their eyes, but you do see joy in them. And you still look at it, they love it. But if we're honest, it's really just joy for that parent, isn't it? Or those parents. Because then when they pass it over to you, you go, oh, thank you, that's lovely. It looks just like every other baby I've ever seen. <laughs> it's squishy, it's lumpy, it's snuffly, and you know, as a parent, I'm quite pleased that I don't have to keep this one. And you give it back. Oh, by the way, I've got another one due in May, and if you feel like that, hey, guilt's off. So, <laughs> but I will be handing it to you. <laughs> How could Jesus be joy for all the people? Well, what is joy? How do we define it? Well, in a way, it is that thrill of memory you have when you see the Coke advert. It's in the giving of the perfect gift to someone you love. It's children bouncing up and down, waiting impatiently to see Santa. It's the warm feeling of family, affirming yet freeing. Joy is a taste of completeness, an appreciation of creation. It's discovery, it's familiarity, it's holidays, and it's home. It's the breathlessness of the bride and the passion of the groom. It's the lightness of liberation, separation from anxiety and fear. It's the pleasantness of parties, the fun and games of food and drink. It's a sense of security as a subject of sovereignty. It's love. It's tenderness. It's justice and hope. It exists longer than happiness and is more happy than existence. It's joy. This is joy. And I know this because these are some of the many ways the Bible tells us what joy is like. And the Bible is God's revelation to us. And joy is an emotion and an experience that we actually share with God. 
I don't know how often I think about that, God having emotions, but he does. And so when he tells us in his Bible what joy is like, we know that we can be sure that he knows what he's on about. What's more, the Bible says, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Now, because of the time of the year it is, I have to make a very important distinction at this point. When I say in the presence of God, I don't mean in the presence of God with a bow that you would give to someone. Although, you know, Jesus is the gift of the world and in him is joy, so it kind of goes both ways. But when I say that, I actually am quoting from the Bible when I say in the presence of God is fullness of joy. It's a bit like the old Christmas cracker joke, isn't it? How did Darth Vader know what Luke was giving him for Christmas? I've felt his presence. (laughs) Too early for cracker jokes? (laughs) Never. So in the presence of God, when we are with God, when God is with us, is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Every facet of it. Every joyful moment of our lives rolled up into one. Think of the joy of a child at their first Christmas. The strange ecstasy of a snow-covered scene. A wedding day. The birth of a child. Think of the joy of these moments. The sheer joy of them. Each one is but a reflected facet on the diamond of joy that is found in the presence of God. And that is who Jesus is. The very presence of God. Emmanuel, we heard in our readings and our songs earlier, which means God with us. And in his presence, his fullness of joy. Jesus is God. Become man. Totally God and totally man. Conceived by the Holy Spirit in the virgin's womb. Not a mythical demigod like Thor from the Avengers films. But the miraculous, historical, flesh and blood revelation of God on this earth. We see this in the response of the shepherds and the wise men. How many babies have you met that you fall down at your knees and worship them? I mean, if you're a parent, maybe your own. And if we're honest, on our good days, it's because we love them, and on our bad days, because you just want them to stop screaming. And yet these wise men, these men from the east, which is Babylon, Persia, the ancient enemies of the people Jesus was born to, they cross countries, they cross cultures to be with him, worship him, and give him majestic gifts. What is going on here? This is so far removed from my, yeah, I might like to hold the baby. I'd like to clarify at this point, I actually do like babies. I don't, I don't want you to go to work tomorrow and go, oh, how was the carol service? Yeah, it was great. I love the songs. And then this horrible guy got up and told us how much he hates children. <laughs> oh, was he playing Herod? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> In his presence, there is fullness of joy. When God is with us, there is fullness of joy. And Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Fullness of joy. 
Joy is at the center of the Christmas story, but it's not the end of the story. Because the baby Jesus grew to be a man, became a great teacher, revealed the mind of God himself, and then when he was about my age, for the joy set before him, he allowed himself to be crucified, to die on a cross and be buried. And then he rose again, and now by his spirit is God with us forevermore. This is what it means when the Bible says, for the joy set before him, a relationship with you, with you, with you, with you, is what God calls joy. God with us. In the presence of God, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. And it goes on, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The guy who wrote that bit of the Bible uh, is a man called David. He did so actually a thousand years or so before Jesus was even born. David wrote it as a song of you know, certain hope about the afterlife when he, he was like, oh, I'll be with God then. He could not have conceived of the outrageous plan that God had to bring heaven to earth now. That God would be made man that spirit would become flesh, eternal, become mortal. And yet, the miracle of Jesus' birth, God with man, fullness of joy, points to a still further joy. In this life, Jesus said, you'll have trouble. And not just cutesy Christmas trouble, like disappointing presents and dry turkey, but real, real pain. Like we heard in Esme's spoken word earlier. I don't want to dwell too much on this, but, but it's true, and sometimes the, the merriment of Christmas can actually make the, that stuff seem more stark by comparison. The loss of loved ones, the breaking down of relationships, Opportunities missed. Hey, soon it'll be New Year, and uh, as we do our resolutions, we'll be reminded of all the ways that we're not progressing in our lives the way we thought we would. Still single. Still got the same job. Still in the same house. That stuff's hard. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not. When the facade of Christmas melts away, Life can still be hard. But actually, David was right when he wrote that song. There is going to be a new creation when this world ends. And the Bible describes it as a place where God will dwell with man. Sound familiar? It's because Jesus, Jesus' coming is both the beginning and the promise of the new creation. The Bible says that in this place he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. In short, it will be a place of joy. 
pure joy, the fullness of joy because God will be with man forever. And that day is coming. But it starts today at Christmas. It starts with Jesus, with Emmanuel, God with us. And when we know Jesus, we can have a taste of the world that is to come now. We can taste the new creation today. We can be in the place of joy here. And because it's an eternal place, we know that joy endures. That means that when we know Jesus for ourselves, we know personally the beginning and the promise of the new creation. That means when the hard stuff hurts, we can look to Jesus now and know joy. When we mourn today, we know that joy will await us tomorrow. When everything seems to be going against us now, we know that joy will accompany us forevermore. Joy isn't a fleeting feeling of happiness to be snuffed out by the daily grind. Rather, it's a certain hope that lasts us through today, tomorrow, and every day after that. Joy endures. Christmas will come and go, but joy endures. Parties will pass, but joy endures. This season will cease, but joy endures. Our lives are short, but joy endures. Chris. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to finish shortly, but I just thought I'd say what's going to go happen now. We're going to, um, the band are going to play a song, and unlike the carols we've done up till now, you don't have to join in. You can just sit and listen and reflect. And then we're going to sing a couple more songs together, and then we'll enjoy mince pies, some of us, and mulled wine together. On your way out, though, grab one of these books. These are our gift to you this evening. It's your first present of the year. And if you want to know joy, and a joy that endures, read this book. It'll tell you more than I've had time to tonight, and believe me, the truth in here can change your life. So you can know Jesus in an instant. You can know joy in a moment. And joy endures. Why don't you close your eyes, and I'll pray.